0: Hi there, and welcome to the Rash with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm John. And we are coming to you with a podcast this week after three weeks off because the baseball world, after taking three, three weeks off, actually sprung into what well, we'll call it action, uh, at least one, as far as the Nats are the concerned. The Nats,
1: yeah. It was yeah. the one thing that happened. Uh, the trade before Christmas
0: yes the trade before christmas the nationals acquired josh bell first baseman for the pirates uh in exchange for two pitchers one of whom is 19 eddie yean and the other one is 26 year old will crow uh who apart from having a name that if you sound it say it quickly sounds like the band wilco uh that's pretty much, honestly, the the most notable thing about him. The Crowening. the crowing
1: yeah.
0: there was a a movie called The Crow. Uh,
1: In Shit's Creek, there's uh, Moira does a movie called The The Crows Have Eyes too. The crowning.
0: Well, there's an actual dark superhero movie from the '90s called The Crow. I know this is a parody of those. Okay, whatever. Okay. Uh, fine. But uh, uh, yeah, so Will Crow, who was a third
1: ranked pitching prospect in our our third ranked prospect in our system
0: that can't be true
1: i think i saw that
0: well will crow is a 26 year old lefty who throws maybe 92 on a good day we saw him for three starts in the rona season uh and it does not appear like the Nats are losing something super valuable in will crow Will Crow, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I don't mean to insult you. I'm sure you have many redeeming qualities as a human being, and you can't be reduced to your fastball velocity as a person. But
1: the other guy who's 19—I mean, you don't really know how he pans out. Who cares? It's not really about what we gave up, It's more about what we got in this trade. I'd say.
0: Yeah, I would say that Mike Rizzo would probably agree with you. Yeah, uh, the the Nationals acquired. Twenty-six-year-old switch-hitting first baseman Joshua Bell. What? He's
1: Twenty-seven. He just has twenty. He'll be twenty-eight next season. Oh, actually, no. He turned twenty-eight. Actually, he's twenty-eight.
0: Okay, twenty-eight-year-old first baseman 28 season. Joshua Bell, uh, who had a very poor season last year in twenty-twenty, but uh, I think. We shouldn't really look at the pandemic season for some to, to chart someone's career career track, trajectory out. Uh, I think that's unfair. It was a a season unlike any other in these uncertain times. Uh, I, I and,
1: saw I saw this one tweet from this this week that said, "Oh, so Soto stats count, but Josh Bell's don't." I don't get it. It was just like, well. Some people handle it better than other people. It's very hard to kind of you know make these assumptions. But that's a, I mean the things I'm more concerned with with Josh Bell is his 2019 his first half versus the second half splits. I mean, if you want to draw anything, his first half he was a 302 with, hitter with a 1024 OPS, dropped on the second half to 233 with a 780 OPS. He he was much worse in the second half last year and than was bad last year again, or sorry, two years ago he was terrible in the second half and then was bad again last year so that could be a trend but who knows I mean it's hard to really tell what is a trend from last year versus you know what was just a bad second half
0: well so Bell has been in the league since 2016 and he's played two full seasons other than 2019 and in both of those seasons he had a an OPS plus he had a bat that was roughly average for what you'd expect out of a first baseman. Uh, And the truth is that if that is the player that he is, I don't think he's the player from 2020 because he hasn't been that player before. Uh, But, and to your point, I think you, to the extent that Soto's season counts, like you, you don't, think of it as having been like if he had done what he did over 47 games over 162 that would obviously be far more impressive
1: mm. uh
0: and no one is, no one is calling juan soto's season one of the greatest of all time which is something that it would be if he had carried it on over 162 games so everyone has a little bit of disclaiming going on for the pandemic stats yeah, But the question with Bell is, what kind of player are the Nats getting? Are they getting uh, a bat that is roughly league average for first base? Or are they getting the guy that Josh Bell was for a couple of months in 2019? Uh, obviously, we have no way of knowing. But yeah. either way, it's an upgrade because the Nats had nothing at first base.
1: Yeah, and this is talking about going from Eric Thames injured Howie Kendrick, uh, to an actual bat at first base for about the same price. Honestly, I mean, how much we pay um Thames last year? What was it, four million?
0: Yeah, but between Thames Cabrera Kendrick, right? Yeah, I mean that's true between Kendrick Cabrera and Thames; those three players. I mean, obviously. Cabrera and Kendrick had more versatility, uh, and Thames in theory did as well. But uh, yeah, we are paying Bell less than, than we paid those three guys.
1: Yeah, he's going to have a better season than those three guys. I think what this move does for the Nats for the rest of the for the rest of the uh, for the rest of this off season is that it kind of you know helps them out at a position without costing them anything. We were I was upset personally a couple of weeks ago when the um, the Royals signed Carlos Santana to what was a two-year, 14 mil. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Josh, because I thought it was a good deal at a good price for a good player. Josh Bell's gonna be making less than that next year. He'll be making six million, most likely in arbitration. That's what the estimate is, roughly around six million. So, I I mean, this move doesn't I don't think hinders the Nets from making more moves on top of it. I think what they wanted to do is you know with Bell is he fills out the order. Um, and I think that's certain what well, from Rizzo's comments yesterday was that, you know, this is a good middle of the bat order bat. And I think that's exactly what it is. I think if he can I mean, with his power numbers, it's very interesting because he in 2019, 37 homer hitter, dropped down from 2018, was a twelve homer guy in more games in those two seasons. So I, I it's it's interesting to see kind of what kind of power bat we're gonna get from from Bell and what kind of middle-of-the-order bat we get. If I'm, I'm very happy if he's a 260, 30-homer guy. I'm taking that from Bell.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're more likely than not to get, at the very least, league average for first baseman production out of Bell offensively, which is 10 15% above league average bat, which is good. I mean, it's fine. Uh, Bell does some things well, the same sort of things that Santana did well. Uh, Bell draws walks, which is great. Um, doesn't strike out much, too. Doesn't strike out a ton. He draws walks. Uh, he, he has good at bats. Uh, if you listen to him talk about his 2020, he said that the problem was that his, you know, it, it, typical baseball speak, you know, he talks about his. Swing being long and something that he thinks he can fix. And, and apparently, Kevin Long, the Nats once and forever hitting coach, uh, who was briefly fired this offseason and then was returned. That was a strange story. Awesome. But uh, uh, he has been apparently poring over Bell's swing. I mean, and, and there was some talk about the analytics team, the Nats analytics team, thinking that they can get more out of Bell, or that he's the player from 2019 and not the player from before or after 2019. I think that that is all the sort of eyewash that you say after you've acquired someone. Yeah, but,
1: it is. but also you know, sometimes players need to change of scenery. I mean, that's the truth of the situation too. I mean, especially leaving Pittsburgh helps a lot, because Pittsburgh is a hellhole.
0: Yeah, right? I, can't, I can't imagine the kind of lack of drive to succeed in a place like in Pittsburgh during a pandemic, Mm -hmm. uh, a team that's not trying, no fans in front of you. I mean, it it must've been hard.
1: Beautiful stadium though.
0: It's a nice stadium with nobody in it. Uh, But the, the question here is, I guess the problem, that I have with this move, if I have to have a problem with it, which I don't, uh, is that it doesn't really tell us anything about where the Nats are going from here. No, uh, All of their options are still on the table. Uh, they they fill the need that, in my opinion, is that first base is, is lower on their list of needs uh, than third or obviously especially the outfield mostly because i think that it is easiest to cobble together something that looks like josh bell out of discarded pieces but, sure.
1: but but it's not like josh bell is the reason why we won't get michael brantley or we won't get you know someone else in the outfield josh bell isn't the reason that this is going to happen no it's just you know something also
0: i completely agree with that
1: and why, why spend $9 million on a cobbled-together Josh Bell when you can spend $6 million to get Josh Bell?
0: That's. I mean, that's fair. And, uh, I mean, there are still reasons for – I mean, the, the Nats' approach in 2020 could well have worked at first base. I thought it was risky. The Nats replaced Anthony Rendon to the extent that they did uh, by – creating a series of platoons at all of their various positions. Uh, and, and frankly, it's impossible to evaluate it and, and how it could have worked in 2020. Obviously, there were some con- concerning things. You know, one of the pl- platoons was supposed to be a third base, and it was sort of contingent on Carter Kebum taking another step. And instead, he took a huge step backwards to some extent. Uh, I think he
1: sidestepped. I want to say he took a step backwards.
0: Yeah, he got better in some respects and worse in some others, but he was starting from a very low yeah uh point. Uh and I I'm not advocating that they they do that again at all positions, but first base it was the idea or it was the place where that idea was soundest. Sure. that 20- I, I just don't I don't get why
1: you're so committed to this kind of idea that the Nats should do this again. I'm not
0: committed to the idea. I'm committed to the the belief that the Nats had bigger needs than first base. Uh, in 2019, the Nats were a top five team offensively at first base, despite not having anyone play more than 50 games there. Uh, between Zimmerman and Kendrick and Cabrera and uh Howie. No, I'm sure there was someone else, Adams. Uh,
1: you say Howie?
0: You say I Howie. did, okay. yeah. I'm forgetting that. Adams, uh, the Nats managed to turn you know, they had success with a, a platoon of veterans. I think that there are going to be a lot of veterans available at that caliber of player, uh, and I think that you know, it's, I, I. I shouldn't say that it's bad that they address this need because the got, other needs that they, they have...
1: Honestly, and- in 2019, they got very lucky. They got a huge performance out of a 35-year-old Howie Kendrick. They got a huge performance out of, a you know, looked like washed up a Cabrera. I mean, you can't really bank on that year in and year out. I mean, you could try to find every diamond in the rough, but that's not going to work. And you'd much rather get more of a sure thing in Josh Bell, even though you're not how sure. His floor is and i'd say it's four this year Is an 800 ops guy which is kind of what you get from all these together guys
0: yeah no i i agree my I problem know. is is that they address this need first but, but they're, they're practical.
1: From making other needs addressing their other right. and
0: there are practical reasons that they did that yeah. uh the the outfielders that they're looking at
1: that are looking until the end of the offseason
0: Right. They're the middle market guys. Uh, they're the Michael's Brantley, the Eddie's Rosario, the Kyle's Schwarber.
1: I, depending on what we do at third base, I'm still not counting us out on Ozuna. I really Yeah. Don't uh,
0: I saw a report today from, I believe it was Britt Garoli, that said that the Nationals are still interested in, in Ozuna.
1: I think I Ozuna's think, our first target in, in left field.
0: I mean, that that is he's the top of the market, other than Springer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I would be surprised. I don't know. I think it depends on whether or not the DH is, is around in the National League.
1: I think by 2022 it will be. I think the expectation is. I don't think next year it will be. But I think in the new deal.
0: I think nobody knows if it's going to be around. It seems next
1: to be expected year. that it happens. Like Team, kind of-
0: teams are like. Not, NL teams not, are not proceeding as though there won't be a DH, but I don't think they're doing that because there won't be a DH. I don't
1: think there'll be a DH next year.
0: I have no idea. And it's frustrating. And and the, frustrating. the uncertainty with this season that is itself inflicted. It is not because of the pandemic. It's, no, it's because great. it
1: doesn't want to seem wrong. And so his other option is not doing anything. He doesn't want to say this is what we're doing, this is the plan. Because if he's wrong, it's something changes and it falls back on him. You just, then
0: you make multiple plans. Like he doesn't he
1: doesn't want to do that. This is much easier. Not making a plan. It's much easier than making multiple plans.
0: I just the, the idea that, that we are now in January almost. We will be in January in three in four days. And we don't know what playoff structure we'll be playing under. We don't know if the league the, the NL is going to have a DH or not. We don't know. Frankly, if the season is going to start on time, like, there is so much that we don't know about the rules of the game of baseball that, like, it's no wonder, you know, pandemic aside, it's no wonder that this offseason has moved so incredibly slowly.
1: Yeah, people keep, like, the people on Twitter who are like, oh, only, like, these amount of deals have happened. I don't know why you're so surprised about this This happening.
0: I don't think in they regular,
1: were. In a regular market, like, this is – it would be slow. But this is not a regular market. This is well, I mean,
0: market. every other league managed to have a regular plan
1: Because they had a – the NFL didn't have a plan, but they operated like they did. They had no, a- the
0: NFL operated like nothing would impact them. And basically, by sheer force of will, they've been right. Yes. They uh,
1: had a plan. They had a very fully announced plan for when the season was going to start, when the offseason was going to start, and so teams knew how to operate. Baseball doesn't have a plan. And so the offseason can't operate without a plan because no one wants to be make a decision and then have it backfire on them. Like, hey, maybe we should sign a DH. Oh, there's no DH in baseball and the NL. Well, we're fucked.
0: It's just, I mean, the fact that baseball is considering delaying the start of the season is is so frustrating to me that. Like, there is no s- scientific reason. I mean, you know, other than if the NBA is playing, then Major League Baseball could play starting in February.
1: They figured out how it works. They, they I mean, Josh Turner be damned. I mean, not Josh Turner, Justin Turner be damned. But um, they pretty much for two months didn't have a positive test. If your plan is to push it off until you can get a vaccine, these players will get a vac- will be able to get a vaccine, probably by May. Like, well, who, who knows?
0: Have, like, I don't know. Be able to be a
1: first person to get the vaccine in terms of not skipping the line, but still being high yeah. priority.
0: Well, I don't know. I don't know what, what optics MLB wants there, but this isn't about a vaccine. Well, it is obviously everything in life right now is about a vaccine, but this is about not wanting one- Wanting to play games without fans, that's
1: the full extent uh, it has to do with it, of course.
0: Yeah, that's they want they they see that it might be possible if they delay the season to June or something to play every single game in front of a full crowd. It's also uh, and the right salary,
1: so they don't want to pay 162 games of uh, baseball again, they want to pay 140, save right? A-
0: well, they they want to play as many games as they can play in front of a full crowd and no more than that. Uh and it's frustrating because it's it's not a like if if that is what you're thinking and there's you know some defense to it uh iron that out beforehand like if if that is what you think the situation is going to be make contingency plans for it and let everyone know. Cause yes, there is uncertainty. No one knows how the vaccine rollout is going to go, but you can make plans and you can announce those plans based on, you know, what happens if this happens, but there's just, this whole thing has been shrouded on uncertainty. We don't know how many playoff teams there are going to be. We don't know what the rules of the national league are going to be. We don't know when the season's going to start. What does and,
1: it seem like the, the media is not even interested in trying to figure figuring out these things? They seem yeah. okay with everything. Like, oh well, it's just happening.
0: It's it's frustrating, and I don't know if the union and the league are talking, and I don't know what's happening. Like, but, if
1: I'm a reporter, I'm if I'm a reporter like a Ken Rosenthal type or someone who has you know sway in the reporting, I'm holding some people's feet to the fire. Like, if you're a big enough reporter who's, you know, you won't see your access restricted, you know, do your job.
0: Well, I just want, like, it's important to know what's ha- I The problem is, I bet you that the league doesn't even know what's happening.
1: No. But if someone starts, you know, stirring some shit up, you know, it's, public it's, opinion can shift because of reporting. The power of the press.
0: Sure. Well, I don't, I mean, I think that delaying the season for a vaccine or for full fans is a terrible mistake they had a
1: uh, the schedule already
0: they have a schedule I, I don't know that like legally they have much of a ground of of a leg to stand on they announced that schedule during a pandemic the idea that they could invoke force majeure Because things are getting better faster than they expected. And so now there's a chance that they can play in front of fans. Like, that doesn't seem plausible. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Obviously, the union and the league are going to have to get together. But these are conversations that should have happened in October. Mm -hmm. uh, Or early November.
1: They could still be happening now.
0: Okay. They are still happening now. Or, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea if they're happening.
1: No one knows.
0: It's really frustrating. But but anyway. On the merits of the, the move, I like the Josh Bell move. The Nats have solved their first base problem. I think third base, outfield is a bigger priority than third. Uh I like Eugenio Suarez. I
1: really the, like Suarez. I even like him over Bryant because Suarez is under contract longer and you don't have to break the bank to get him as much in terms of extension. No.
0: I mean, he's, he's already got his extension it pays him $15 million a year for, I believe, the next three years. Yeah. Uh, he's going to cost more in terms of prospects and it isn't like the Nats have those growing on trees. They'll probably have to give up someone. To get him. Although the Reds are in fire sale mode, so I don't know how much they'll have to give up. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think, I don't want to say it's time to give up on Carter Keeboom because I've been burned before. Uh, By Giolito. Lucas Giolito. But I think. That if the Nats with this incredibly old pitching staff that they have, with one year left of of Max Scherzer, with who knows how many years left of of Steven Strasburg being healthy, although I think you can't really read much of anything into wow. the 2020 season. No, um, with with Corbin, you know, still having four years left on his deal, being 31 years old now. Uh, the Nats would be better served adding a veteran player like Suarez with a, you know, a ceiling at three to four wins, uh, then they would waiting for something to happen with Carter Kibu. Yeah. Uh, this should be an all in win now team, uh, to the extent that that's possible, because again, they have been an all-in, win-now team for the last three, four years, and what that's left them with is a farm system that's pretty depleted. Mm. Uh, but to the extent that they can get Suarez, I think they should. and Get uh,
1: Schwarber, even still sign Brantley. I mean, it's not like that would be like $30 million if you get them all.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of options at the range that the, the Nats are looking in the outfield on the free agent market. So
1: Suarez's so contract, his next four years, is 10, about $11 million a year. Right. Good yeah. deal. It's a very good deal.
0: Yeah, it's very below market, uh, which is one of the reasons he's going to be expensive in terms of prospects. Because even during a pandemic year, he's the type of salary that people can afford to take on. Mm -hmm. Um, but the Nats have a lot of options in the outfield they've got Ozuna if they want to play at the higher end of the market Brantley uh, who I think left handedness aside his skill set plays really well with the Nats
1: if you could get if you could get like Suarez which again if and then you still want to spend and you get Brantley that lineup is deep I mean that's a good lineup. It's a very good lineup.
0: I think Brantley is an ideal two-hitter for this team. So what Some do you do? In front of Soto.
1: So it's Turner, Brantley, Soto,
0: Suarez, Bell.
1: Suarez Bell in that lineup, yeah.
0: Would be yeah. But even if, if you can't get if you can't get uh, Suarez and you stick with Key Boom, then uh, I would still hit Brantley second and Soto third and then Bell behind him. Um, And as a lot of people have been saying, Bell has uh, platoon splits. He hits righties better than lefties, which leaves still space on the bench for Ryan Zimmerman if he wants to come back. Uh, And I
1: think he'll come back.
0: I don't know. I mean, it depends on what he want, What he wants to do? Does he, he, think he
1: wants to come back?
0: Does he like his family? No. Does he want to spend less time with his family? No,
1: we'll it's enough time.
0: Exactly. Speaking
1: now, of coming back and not coming back, I think we'll end the show on this note, with um, uh, our our dear friend Howie Kendrick retiring.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the man was here for three and a half years. Uh, and in that time he came up with the two most iconic moments that the Nats will ever have. And I don't think there's there's any
1: Well, I'd say I'd put I'd put Soto's wild card hit over his grand slam. And then I'd put the home run on top of that.
0: You think that I don't know. The wild card
1: uh, was such a monkey off the back though. Like, oh we can win actually. And it was from Soto. Like in the photo. I don't know. I I take Soto's Wild card win over Kendrick's Game 5 Grand
0: Slam Either way The 2019 postseason In which Kendrick hit The two biggest home runs In Nats history And then uh, it was, it and,
1: Between that he won an LCS MVP
0: Right uh, The guy deserves a statue At Nats Park for that alone uh, he, I remember
1: I remember in 2017 When uh, the Nats traded for him um, I was watching like MLB Central, and Mark DeRosa said, now, "Howie Kendrick's the type of player who wins your team a championship. He's the guy who who will get the things done. You know, will be the type of player that you need to get the big hits." And that's exactly who he was for us in 2019.
0: And he, I mean, God bless Dusty, but he could have been that guy in 2017 too. Yeah. Uh, there was there was an opening for him in left field that was Jason Worth. Yeah. Uh, Dusty stuck with his veteran over his slightly younger veteran mm-hmm. uh, and I mean we don't need to relitigate 2017 now that we have a championship Yes. Uh, but yeah Howie Kendrick single-handedly in a lot of senses won the Nationals a championship he has the, the home run in the World Series in Game 7 is considered by championship wins, uh, a WPA to be the tenth biggest play in baseball history, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, uh, to to have been involved in that, uh, and for a veteran role player to have such an outsized importance to a baseball team. It's just it's one of those like one of those cool things about baseball. Baseball has a system set up so that you know in basketball if there's a big moment in a game, that big moment is more than likely going to be handled by the big name player. Baseball isn't like that. In baseball, all nine hitters hit.
1: Brett Phillips, yeah. hero of the World Series for the Grays this year
0: exactly right i mean the game can come down to any player uh and that's you know frustrating in the sense that baseball is not a great sport for star making but it's really cool in the sense that any player at any given time can be in the right spot and become a star and that happened to howie kendrick repeatedly yeah and, you know, it, it's it's just a cool little thing.
1: Yeah, Howie Kendrick, great national. You know, we'll be we'll be remembered for a while with this he's team.
0: Not dying, We're dead,
1: but he's retired and it's sad. And I'll miss him. Goodbye, Howie. Enjoy your retirement. And I think um, that's it for us today. I think we've talked about all that we can. I think we filled half an hour, um, something, like something like that. So. Uh, everyone have a great you know this is probably the last episode of the new year of this godforsaken year of 2020 so hopefully uh 2021 will be a better year for the nats and better year for us all
0: yes to a better 2021
1: <laughs> to a better 2021 all right we will see you guys next time